Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 2. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. Pride is the most elementary of all sins. It was pride and an evil desire to be like God which led the created angel Satan to rebel against his maker. In 1 Timothy 3 and verse 6, Paul warns us of being lifted up with pride and falling into the condemnation of the devil. It is pride which makes men think that they can live their lives independently of God. It is pride which makes men think that they can solve all medical problems through human expertise and ingenuity. It is pride which makes men think that they can control the climate. It is deeply ironic and deeply significant that one of the most anti-Christian movements of our present age, attacking the God-ordained institutions of marriage and the family, frequently uses the word pride to describe itself and its activities. Man, by his very nature, has absolutely nothing to be proud about. He only wakes up each morning because God has decreed it. It is God who gives him his daily bread. It is God who, in his providence, enables him to accomplish all those things in his life which he in his folly thinks that he has accomplished himself. When things go well in a man's life, how easy it is for pride to set in. Look what I have achieved. When everything comes to us from the hand of God, our homes, our families, our friends, they come to us at the Lord's behest. And this was a message which had to be proclaimed to the Israelites in the time of Moses. We read in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 11, speaking of the Israelites going into the promised land and beginning to fare well and to become prosperous. And God has to say to them, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments. <clears throat> Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, 
Then thine heart be lifted up. Verse 17. And thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. Lest thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand have gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. And so we're being taught here that both individual prosperity and national prosperity only come in the providence of God. And so the message from modern Britain is legislate against God's commandments as you were doing last week and are planning to do in the near future, the nation will never be prosperous. That is the message we have to give them. We are entering into a period of spiralling inflation. What is the answer? The only ultimate answer is national repentance. The Lord knows how prone men are to pride and to forgetting him. And this is why he had to warn the Israelites when they went into this lovely land flowing with milk and honey. He knew that the people would become proud and begin to think, look at what we have achieved as they look around their prosperous nation. Now, in the post-war period in Britain, we have enjoyed enormous affluence, such as my grandparents' generation would never have dreamed of. The people who went through the deprivations of the 1930s, would not believe how prosperous we are today. And again, uh, looking at the 1950s, 1960s, people acquired cars, they acquired all kinds of electric gadgets for their homes to make life easier. They began to be able to afford more leisure time, they began to be able to take foreign holidays and spend more time pursuing leisure activities. But what has happened to the spiritual condition of the nation in the post-war period? A complete and absolute departure from God. So man in his pride has often taken all these benefits but has used them as further reasons to imagine himself to be independent of God. And so as men pursue prosperity and what is every general election about but the pursuit of prosperity as men pursue prosperity we need to be reminded of the words of James 4, verse 13. Go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. 
for what is your life? It is even a vapour that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. If the Lord will, Britain will prosper. But not if we carry on defying the commandments of God. So here is a warning to all who proudly think that they can secure their future by careful planning and ingenuity which bypasses God. I mean, just look at how our nation has responded to COVID-19. One of the primary actions of the government has been to make abortion easier because of a virus. So to protect people allegedly from a virus, they kill human beings in the womb. That's the madness of human pride. But it's pride that says, well, I'm, I'm a woman, I've got a right to do what I, I want with my own body. What about the right of that child whose life God has ordained? And now Britain, in all its liberal sophistication, has made chemical abortion by picking up a phone permanently legal. And so our nation needs putting in its place. Man is no more than a vapour, a little puff of steam, which disappears in a moment at God's behest. So behind all pride is an ignoring of God. For if men acknowledge their true status in relation to God, then they would soon realise that they have very little to be proud of. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. The ultimate pride is the refusal to humble oneself before God. The proud unbeliever may prosper in the world for a while. He may receive the praise of men or do well for himself in his work. But shame is never far away. There is no earthly prosperity and enjoyment which can be guaranteed to last. God, for example, can bring war upon a nation. He can bring natural disaster or other providential afflictions upon those who defy him. Where will a man's pride be when the very earth beneath him is quaking? Or when his treasured possessions are being destroyed by an enemy. Or when there is an uncontrollable economic slump. Or when his physical health is taken away from him. Where is the pride of man then? Now the ultimate shame which follows pride 
will be that which every non-believer will face on the day of judgment. As they stand exposed before the Son of God, devoid of any righteousness, exposed to the full weight of the justice of God. And so we are being taught here that when pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. With the lowly is wisdom. Lowliness and humility before God are utterly integral to the very act of becoming a Christian. Conversion is a proud unbeliever realising his appalling error and humbling himself before God in repentance and faith. James 4 verse 10 Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. This is the true wisdom. And then having become a Christian by such humbling, the believer must then practice ongoing humility before God, of course, but also before men. Philippians 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. What a high calling we have as Christians. Let each esteem the other man better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. So the Lord Jesus Christ himself is our pattern of humility. Showing us the necessity of humility towards our neighbour. Having, of course, first humbled ourselves before God. Even the Lord's own disciples during his earthly ministry were afflicted for a time with pride. We read in Mark 9, verse 33, Mark 9 33. He came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace. For by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. The disciples had been arguing about who would 
hold the most senior posts in a restored earthly kingdom of Israel. They needed to realise, however, that their role was to be suffering servants in a kingdom which is not of this world. Paul says in Romans 12 and verse 10, Be tenderly affectioned one to another, in honour preferring one another. And pride can be a problem with Christians. It can be a real problem with those who are born again. I know the truth. I don't compromise. And that can make us look down on other people. It can even make us look down on other Christians who aren't as doctrinally precise as we think we are. So we've got to be careful of pride, even as believers. Ephesians 4, verse 1. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So humility is an indispensable characteristic of the Christian's calling. It's part and parcel of what being a Christian is, because the chief of all sins, the devil's great sin, is pride. So we are called to humility. Ephesians 5, 21 Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Humility before others is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25 If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So what a dangerous sin pride is. It it can creep up and captivate someone even when they're not realising it. And so there's much in God's word about pride. Further on in Proverbs, Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. And then moving on to verse 3. Solomon says here, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. Keeping God's commandments is in a man's own best interest. Sadly, so many view the commandments of God as some kind of terrible restriction upon them. But to be holy is in each person's own best interest. Because by being holy, 
A man will avoid all kinds of earthly problems. So, we need to adhere to God's word, to pursue a path of holiness. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. By adhering to the word of God, we will avoid the strokes of providence which are punitive. Because God can punish in time. He can punish individuals in time, as well as at the great last day. And he can, of course, also punish nations in time. And this is why we constantly have to warn our nations of the dangers of rebellion against the one true God. Because that rebellion will inevitably lead to national judgments. And so we need to understand the enormous benefit of being holy. Psalm 1, verse 3, speaking of the upright man. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The Christian believer will be constantly endeavouring to do God's perfect will. Even in the small details of life. He knows that the Lord is watching him. He knows that the Lord will honour such obedience. Now the believer may be chastened. He may have difficulties and trials. But he always remains the subject of God's care and the beneficiary of God's grace. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. But we further read in verse 3, the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Perverseness is lacking in holiness. An absence of integrity and honesty. Sin always brings shame and trouble in its wake. In this life, and supremely, of course, at the final judgment. Now, the Bible contains many vivid examples of the perverseness of transgressors destroying them. Let us just take the example of Haman. In the book of Esther, the most powerful man in the ancient Persian Empire after the king himself. And we read in Esther 5 and verse 11, Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him. And how he had advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. So we see what a great privilege Haman enjoyed as the king's first minister. Nevertheless, for all his earthly benefits, 
Haman could not stop himself because of his unregenerate heart from being consumed by a hatred for the Jew Mordecai. This hatred would lead to Haman's destruction. Haman also sought to annihilate all the other Jews who were living in the Persian Empire at that time. Yet the providence of God turned Haman's evil designs upon his own head. Haman would soon lose the king's favour. And he would himself be executed on the very gallows which he had prepared for Mordecai. And this is a classic demonstration in the book of Esther of the shame which follows fast upon the heels of pride. It demonstrates the perverseness of transgressors which leads to their destruction. Numbers 32, verse 23. Ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. A number of sins in modern Britain are very fashionable. So people feel secure in their sinning. And people need to realise that because the majority of society condones a sin, it will still find the sinner out when God comes in judgment. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Sin has consequences. Now we read here in verse 4, Riches profit not in the day of wrath. Riches can make men proud, be it individuals or nations. They can choke spiritual growth and give men a false sense of security in their independence from God. There is no insurance policy, no matter how costly, which can be purchased to protect anyone from the judgment of God. Therefore, proud non-believers should humble themselves before their maker. Our Lord said in Matthew 13, concerning the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, 22, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Riches, wealth, are deceiving in that they do tend to give people a false and groundless confidence. But they profit not in the day of wrath. And so people need to realise that they cannot escape the judgment of God, even if they feel strong and secure in a material sense, right, now 
And so there is this warning here in verse 4. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. It is only righteousness which can cause a nation to escape God's judgment. And on an individual level, only those who by grace pursue all holiness of life will be saved. But another wonderful blessing of pursuing holiness is of course that it means that the holy man will escape punitive judgment in time. Because God is not mocked. He has all kinds of ways of stopping the sinner in his tracks, even during his earthly course. And then in verse 5 we are told, The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. In other words, the word of God is saying, sin is a fool's game. Breaking God's commandments will not get you anywhere. Now verse 5 speaks of the perfect. That means those who are being perfected by God's grace. Those who endeavour to keep a conscience void of offence before God by their obedience to his commandments, will avoid the earthly troubles and providential judgments which sin always brings. The wicked, however, we are told in this fifth verse, will never escape. They may escape for a while, but they even risk the punitive affliction of God against them in this life. They may even have their very physical lives prematurely terminated. God is able to do that. And sinful lifestyles can in and of themselves lead to a shortening of one's earthly existence. This is how God has ordered his creation. The Lord is also free to take away, in a summary manner, the life of any wicked man, however and whenever he thinks fit. God is able to do that. He's not mocked. What greater incentive then do people need to humble themselves before God than this? Sin always brings trouble and shame in its wake. And that is what these verses in Proverbs 11 are teaching us. Those who ignore the commandments of God must realise that they are risking serious punitive consequences in their own personal circumstances, as well as ultimate and eternal punishment. And we have seen here that pride is the most elementary of sins. It is pride which makes men think that they can live their lives without reference to God. I was speaking to a scientist in Uxbridge on Friday. He was a physicist. 
He was handing out leaflets about scientific lectures uh, in the town. They looked very interesting. And I asked him, what's the origin of the universe? And he said, it's the Big Bang. So he wanted to remove God completely from the picture. This earth exists because of a random explosion in the sky billions of years ago. Why do people believe that? It is pride in the heart of man. And of course pride can easily set in when things are going well in a person's life. We must be wary of that. If men realised their true sinful status before God, they would quickly realise that there is nothing to be proud of. And when God comes in his justice against a proud individual or a proud nation, the things of which men have been so proud and in which they have trusted, will not be able to save them. And we've also been taught here that it's part of our Christian duty to avoid all pride in our personal relationships with others. Our supreme pattern is the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin is a fool's game. It leads to judgment and destruction. So let us remember what Solomon says. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. Verse 3. Holiness of life will keep us safe. Both in this life and on the great last day. And so we need to realise the importance of humility before God and before men. Yes, we are saved by grace, not through our holiness. But if we are saved by grace, we must demonstrate that by our holiness of life. And let us remember that at the root of all sin is the pride of heart whereby a man exhorts his own wisdom above the commandments of God. May the Lord keep each one of us from pride. Amen. Amen.